So we're in Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. Dale, we thank you for tuning in as well. Jada and Jasmine, thank you for tuning in. Joshua uh, chapter 7. Sister Powell, we thank you for tuning in as well. Joshua chapter 7. Let's just get ready. So here we find ourselves again in Joshua chapter 7. And it says, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the cursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmel, the son of Zabdad, the son of Zaroth, the tribe of Judah, took the cursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai which is beside Beth Haven, on the east side of the Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. Verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gates as far as Shebron and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the heart of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and all the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their head. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought the people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites and destroy us? Oh, that we had been um, content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. O oh Lord, what should I say when Israel turned their back before its enemy? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Verse number 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie this on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I command them. For they have even taken some of the cursed things and have brought, I mean, both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Verse 12, therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I become, um, neither would I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things among you. Get up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is a cursed things in the midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the cursed things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families. And the family which the Lord has shall um, take shall come by household. And the households which the Lord takes shall come before men. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the cursed things, the, he who taken with the cursed things shall be burned with fire and he and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and become and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Verse 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by the tribes and tribes of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah and he took the family of Zarah and brought the family of Zarah, um, of Zarahite, of the Zarahites, um, men by men and Zabdab was taken. Then he brought his house 
men by men, and Achan, the son of Kamal, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zaroth, and um, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Verse 19, and then Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord of God of Israel. And this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils the beautiful garment, um, Babylonian garments, the 200 shekels of silver and the wedge of gold weighed in 50 shekels, I covered them and took them. And there they, there, and there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of many tents with the silver under it. Verse 22, so Joshua sent messages and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in the tent when the silver, uh, with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan and his son of Zerah and the silver the garments, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his ox, his donkey, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley, to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones and they burned them with fire. And after they had stoned them with stones, then they raised over them a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from his fierceness of his anger, and therefore the men, I mean, the name of this place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Wow, I know that was a lot of reading but sometimes you have to read that much so you can get a grasp of the narrative of this story. Thank you so much, Tanya and Wynn White, for tuning in as well. We're so grateful uh, for you, for all Deacon Allen family um, that he has with us. We thank you so much for Deacon Allen and Deacon Blue um, tuning in as well, and also the Tucker family. Um, Jordan, we thank you all. Rachel, you are uh, so grateful. Shorty and Joshua and James and Candy, we thank you all as well. So as we find ourselves this Sunday back in Joshua chapter 7, this is a very unique story. Up until now, Joshua has had great success as a leader who has now taken a position of Moses to lead the people into the promised land. So from chapter 1 to chapter 6, Joshua has had great success. And now in chapter 7 here, Charmaine, Chandra, and Darlene, now here, what we find is that Joshua now has some trouble. Joshua now, for the first time as a leader, has experienced some trouble. So on last Sunday, we looked at this very same chapter in Joshua, Joshua chapter 7, and we looked at the message that, um, uh, we looked at the message that sin, um, uh, that we looked at the message um, last Sunday, the message was the effects of sin. And we learned, Joe and LaMonica and uh, Shed and Boo, we learned, we learned, we learned, Shay and Boo, we learned last week the effects of sin. One of the things we learned that sin angers the Lord. That's one of the effects. One of the effects of sin we looked at last week in this very same chapter is that sin affects God. God hates sin. It angers God. It, it, it frustrates God. It disappoints God when we sin, Vanessa, T.T., Vicky, Iris. When we sin, Malachi, when we sin, it affects God, and it angered God. We also learned another effect last week of sin is that sin causes the Lord to remove his protection. God's protection was with Israel um, all this time in Joshua chapter 1 through Joshua chapter 6. God was with them. His protection was with them. And now when we get to chapter 7, we, we, we see the first time God removes his protection. God removed his protection from them, and they were, they were defeated in AI, all because of their sin. And then we learn not only does uh, sin anger God, affect the sin anger God, and another effect that sin um, uh, causes God to remove his protection, uh, Yatana, but also we learn 
that sin affects everyone. We learned that sin for everyone was affected. Everyone in Israel was affected by the sin of Achan. Only one man's sin and it caused everybody to be affected. That's the same thing we deal with now. Adam and Eve sinned and everything was affected because of their sin. Your sin affects everyone because, because we are in the body of Christ. Everything is affected. So as we find ourselves this morning, in this very same chapter, I want to look at the topic today that sin must be dealt with. That sin must be dealt with. Because I believe that we as believers, turns, we as believers, Howard, we as believers, D'Angelo, we as believers, the Parker family, we have to address our sin. We, we have to address our sin, Ms. Murray. We have to address our sin, Angel. We have to address our sin. We cannot continue to live as Christians and walk in sin. We cannot continue to, to live as Christians and, and, and do what we want to do, what we think that feel good to us. We're not what we think, but what feel good to us, but disobey God. We cannot continue to walk in sin as Christians. So this chapter here, helps us understand sin, and it gives us a guide of how sin affects everything, but also it gives us a guide of how do we deal with sin. Jesus on the cross, he destroyed the, the power of sin that reigns over our lives. And as believers, we, we no longer under the power of sin, but we allow sin to reign and have power and rule in our life, although the power of sin is dead to us. Romans, Romans chapter 6 verse 12 says like this, do not let sin reign in your body so that you obey, watch this, so that you obey the evil desires. So what do we do with this sin? What do we do with this sin that, that we walk with that, that every day did bring us desires and challenges? How do we handle our sin? I'm glad you asked. Because Joshua tells us here. Joshua tells us here. Joshua tells us here how to deal with our sin. The first thing, the first thing, Brother Marvin, first thing, Jasmine, first thing, Nate, first thing, Cherie, we see here in the text in verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 and 14 and 16 through 18. The first thing he says, uh, if we're going to deal with sin, we must deal with sin. He said the first thing we must do is confront sin. Look what he says. Start in verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 and 14, look what he says. He says, get up, sanctify your, the, uh, the people, and say, sanctify yourself tomorrow. Because this, says the Lord God of Israel, there is a curse things in, the, in your midst. Oh, Lord, you cannot stand before your enemies until... You take away the cursed things from among you. Verse 14, in the morning, therefore, you shall uh, be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord has taken shall uh, come according to its family, and the families which the Lord takes shall come by household, and household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. And watch this in verse 16. Look at verse 16. Through 18. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by the tribe, and the tribes of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah and he took the family of Zerah, I mean of the Zerahites, and brought the family of the Zerahites and um, the family of the Zerahites, men by men, and Zabdi was taken. And then he brought his household, men by men, and Achan, the son of Kamar, the son of Zabdi the son of Zaroth, and the tribe of Judah was taken. So first thing we see here in the text, when we deal with sin, we first must understand we must conf um, confront sin. Sin must be confronted. Watch this. God says, Joshua, get up. Joshua was praying to the Lord. He was, he, was, he was mourning. Him and the leaders of Israel was mourning because they just lost a small battle to Ai. They just won a victorious battle against Jericho, and now they go into Ai, a small city that, had, that wasn't fortified, that didn't have a great army, and they lose to them. And they lose bad to them. They lost 36 men. So Joshua fall out before God, and he started to pray. He cried out to God. 
and he threw, he threw dust on his face and ashes on his face, and that's a sign of mourning. Like, God, what are you doing? And God, in the midst of his prayer, said, get up. He said, Joshua, you need to get up because you got to confront sin. And he says, and he says, and this is how you confront sin. And he give Joshua a guide or instructions of how to confront sin. Because watch this, watch this, watch this. He says that you need to get up and confront sin. See, as, as leaders of the church, we have to confront sin which we don't do anymore. We let people do whatever they want and live in whatever kind of sin they want, and we don't say anything about it. We let people uh, 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 live in sin and disobedience to God, and we, 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 we let them in ministry. We let them be a part of the church, and we know that they're committing fornication. They're committing adultery. We know that they have no self-control, that they lie, that they steal, and all we do is turn a blind eye. But God says time to confront your sin. God said that we got to confront the sin. As leaders, we got to confront the sin. He said, Joshua, get up. And he said, confront this sin that is in Israel because this sin has affected everyone. And the only way we're going to deal with it is you got to confront your sin. Oh, my God, that's some good stuff. That's some good stuff because there's some levels here that God wants you to see. God says, as leaders, watch this, as leaders, leaders you got to confront your sin. You got to confront your sin. As leaders, we got to confront sin. We got to have church discipline. We got to call some people out for their sin. I know y'all don't want to hear this. I know this ain't popular preaching, and I know we're in a time where we got to be sensitive to everybody and they sin. No, if the pastor sin, you will call us out. So it's time for us as leaders to call you all out. Says, he says that we got to confront sin. He says as leaders, we got to confront sin. We got to confront sin. But he said the first thing, he gives us a guide. Watch this. He said, the first thing you got to do when you confront sin is you got to deal with your own sin. Look what he said. He said, Joshua, get up and sanctify yourself. He said, sanctify the people and sanctify yourself. He said, Joshua, before you go confront that sin, you need to get right before me. Sanctification means to get pure. This is a, uh, a ritual cleaning that they would do to go before God. And he had to get pure and be set apart. The people had to be pure and set apart. He said, before you go confronting some sin, Pastor Pew, you got to deal with your own. Well, oh my God, that's some good stuff there. That's some good stuff there. I know I got some amens on that. Because we got a lot of people who want to confront sin, but don't want to deal with their own sin. We got a lot of people that want to call out people's sin, but don't want to deal with what they say. He says, before you confront the sin, Joshua, go get yourself right. Come before me. Confess your sin. Repent before me. Get right. Sanctify yourself. Let me know that you are right before me. And then before you go confronting somebody else's sin. He says, look, he says, son, get up and sanctify yourself. As we're going to go confront someone's sin, we got to go right before God first. We got to go before God. We got to confront our sin to God. We got to confront our own sin. We got to look in the mirror and say, God, I have sinned against you. God, I, I'm a liar, God. I, I, I can't stop lying. God, I'm having problems with this lust. God, I'm having problems with gluttony. God, I'm a jealous person. God, I have hate in my heart. We got to confront our own sin before we go confront somebody else's sin. God said, before you go, get right before me. Second thing is we confront sin, we confront sin. The Lord said to Joshua, <clears throat> also, he says to Joshua, if you're going to confront this sin, you got to be right. You got to go get right. You got to go get right. You got to go get right, Sister Wash. You got to go get right, Sherlyn. You got to go get right, Dominic. You got to go get right, Sam. You got to go get right, Darlene, before you confront this sin. The second thing we see in this text, watch this. He says, he says that, that not only do you not, you need to go get right before you confront the sin, he said, but also... Make sure, you got to make sure the Lord is leading you to confront that sin. You got to make sure the Lord is leading you. Look what he says in verse 14. Look what he says in verse 14. He says in verse 14, In the morning, therefore, you should be brought according to your tribes, and it should be that the tribe which the Lord takes should come according to their family. Look, look, if we're going to confront sin as leaders or individuals, we got to be led by God. You can't be mad or so holy that you think God is calling you to confront everybody's sin. No, no, that's not your job. That's not your job. 
You got to be led by the Lord. So that means you got to be in prayer. And God led, God led Joshua in who to confront. So you got to be led. When you go confront sin, you got to be led by God to confront sin. You, you can't just go calling out everybody's sin because you want to be the sin police. No, that's God's job. God is to guide you and lead you on whose sin you need to call out. And God will give you direction on, the, on that person's sin. Joshua was led by God to confront sin. God, Joshua wasn't no sin police. Joshua wasn't no sin police. You trying to go uh, 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 be a sin police and confront somebody for their sin, and you go to a woman and tell them, yeah, you know you ain't supposed to be pregnant. You ain't even married yet, and she say, I ain't pregnant. That's because you out there led on your own self. You didn't, you didn't think the lady pregnant. She's not even pregnant. She just got a stomach. All because you led by your own, your own desires and your own self to confront sin. No, be led by God. Be led by God. Joshua was led by God to confront the sin of Achan. He just ain't get up and say, where that Achan at or where this person at? I'm going to go through the whole camp and I'm just going to start tearing up things. Does somebody tell me who got sin? No, he was led by God to confront Achan's sin. So we see that if we're going to confront sin, we got to be right before God. We got to go be right before God. If we're going to confront sin, before we confront sin, we got to be right. Second thing, if we're going to confront sin, we got to be led by God. We got to be led by God. The third thing, if we're going to confront sin, we must do it in private. We must do it in private. Look what he says. Look what he says here. He said we must do it in private. Look what he says in verse 16 through 18. He go through all the tribes. He go through all the families, and he pull them out, and he get to Achan, and he go address Achan. He goes to address Achan. He said he brought um, before the household of men by men, and Achan, the son of Kama, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zaroth, and the tribe of Judah was them. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory. He addressed Achan. If we're going to confront sin, we need to do it in private. We got too many people today want to call people sin out in public and then go talk about it behind their back. If we're going to confront sin, we got to do it in private. We got to do it in private. We can't embarrass nobody. This is not about embarrassing anybody. This is about letting people know that your sin is causing you to be separated from the fellowship of God. That your sin is hurting the body of Christ. So he says, we got to do it privately. Watch what Matthew chapter 18, 15 says. I know y'all don't want to hear this. This is good preaching though, but I know y'all don't want to hear it. And if you don't want to hear it, that's okay. That's okay. But those who want to hear it, say amen. Look what he's saying. He says in Matthew 18, 15, he says, moreover, if you brethren sin against, if, uh, he said, moreover, if your brother sin against you, go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. He says, if your brother have sinned, if your sister have sinned, why in the world are you telling everybody sin? Why are you going out gossiping and telling everybody what they have done? He says, if they sin against you, you need to go address them one-on-one, -on -one, privately. And then he get further instructions as he look at church discipline. But he said, go privately. Why are you trying to embarrass people? Why are you gossiping and telling people? business and and how they sin and when they sin he says that we have to go out and when we when we confront sin we got to do it privately we got we got to confront it privately so he says that we're going to confront sin one we need to be right before god before we go two we got to be led by god to confront sin three we have to um we have to uh do it in private but we got two more and these two are not found in this text but it is found in the scripture and 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 um galatians chapter one he says, if we're going to confront sin, watch this, we got to do it in love. Look at this. He said, we got to do it in love. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It said, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a man in a spirit of gentleness. He says, when you go out to confront sin, 
You have to do it in a form of love. You have to do it in a genuine way. That's why you need to be led by God. If you go like a tyrant, you will never get them to see the depth of their sin and cause them to surrender and repent to God because you went like a tyrant. You got to go in love. You got to go gentle. You got to go sweet with them and confront their sin because remember, the ultimate goal is not to tear down but to build up. The ultimate goal is to win your brother and sister back to a right relationship with God. Well, I mean, a right fellowship with God because sin destroys your fellowship with God. So to, to build, build that right fellowship with God, you have to go and you have to call out their sin and confess and confront their sin. Guess what? In a gentle way. Say, so we got to do it gentle. Be gentle. Do it in love to build them up that they may have sorrow to repent. Says that we got to deal with sin. We got to confront sin. If we're going to deal with sin, we got to confront it. And the fourth thing he says here, and the next thing he says, I think it's number four. The next thing he says in confronting sin that, um, that we need to know that we, um, not only do we need to confront it with love, but we need to know that everyone is not called to confront sin. So I'm not saying, when I say confront sin, Every one of us not called to confront sin. Just, just let me clear that now. Because I know I got some people that already think I need to confront their sin. I need to confront their sin. I'm going to confront their sin. They got sin in their life. I'm going to confront. No, no, no. Slow down. Everybody is not called to confront sin. Here it is. Here's the scripture. Look at the scripture. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Look what it says. It said, brethren. If a man is overtaken in sin, in any trespassing, you who are spiritual, restore, restore such a man. The one who is spiritual. So I know all y'all think y'all spiritual. I know all of us think we're spiritual. We high and mighty with God. We know how to speak in tongues. We prophesy. We pray 40 times a day. Although we do is just call out some words. We fast and we study and we think we're spiritual. But God says the only one is to call out and to help those who are confront sin is those who are spiritual. So if you ain't spiritual, you shouldn't be calling out nobody's sin. This is what the scripture says. God got people to do that. And because you're a pastor, don't mean you can call out people's sin. Because guess what? You may not be ready to call a sin out because of the way your attitude is, the way you speak to people. So he says that we got to confront sin. But the ultimate thing is you got to confront your own sin. You got to stand before the mirror and confront your own sin. Stop lying to yourself. Let yourself know, confront it to God, that God, I am a sinner. God, I got lust in my heart. God, I got desires that is not of you. God, I have no self-control. God, I'm deceitful. God, I'm jealous. God, I got hate and I can't stand him. God, I have sin. You got to confess your own sin. You got to, I mean, confront your own sin. You got to confront your sin. So the first thing, if we're going to deal with the sin, sin must be dealt with. First thing we got to do is confront sin. Second thing he says, if we're going to deal with the sin, our sin. Second thing he said, we got to confess sin. Look in verse 19 through 21. It says, now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now that you tell and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils of the beautiful garments 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighting 50 shekels, I covered them and took them, and there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. He says, now, if we're going to deal with sin, not only do we need to confront sin, but we also need to confess sin. He says that we need to confess sin. He says, Joshua, go to Achan. He said, Achan. He said, Achan, look at this, James. Joshua, go to Achan. He said, Joshua, Achan, tell me what you have done. Tell me what you have done. Pastor Reese, watch this. He said, he said Joshua, Joshua, go to Achan. He said, Achan, uh, uh, give glory to the God. 
and confess your sin. Let it be known what you have done. Watch this, Dominique. Let it be known what you have done. Watch this, Monique. Let it be known, Marvin, of what you have done. Let it be known, Shorty. Let it be known, Sam. Let it be known, Calvin. Let it be known, Boo, of what you have done. He said, it's time to confess your sin. It's time to, to lay out what you have done. It's time to be real with yourself and confess your sin before God. And I like this because watch this. Achan did not give a general confession. Achan did not just say, God, forgive me of my sin that I have done known and unknown like we do. Achan said, no, God, I got a bigger problem than that. I need to confess my sin. And Achan give a detailed account of his sin. Achan confessed everything. He give a detailed instructions and everything of the of um, conf, uh, confessing his sin, Lacey. He, Gail, he, Winston, he gives a, a whole account of his sin. He says, he says, he says, I have taken some garments. I have stole some, some silver and some gold. When I went in there, I have taken what God has said not to take. But the crazy thing about this is, watch this. This is the same thing that happened in Genesis with Adam and Eve. This is the same thing. Look what Achan said. Achan says the first thing here in the text, the first thing he says, watch this, Joshua. He says that I have, I, he says, um, Joshua said, confess your sin. Look what Achan says in verse 20. And Achan answered and said, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord and Israel, and this is what I have done. Look at verse number 21. When I saw. The first thing, he said, these things caught my eye. That's what Eve said. Eve said, I saw the tree. You got to understand, the enemy will cause you to look at something that God knows, that God has already told you that's not right for you. The enemy will flash a, a flashing light from you before you in sin and, may, and draw you in with your eyes. That's why you got to pray and say, God, protect my eyes, that my eyes don't wander in the way of the enemy. God, protect my eyes, that my eyes won't cause me to be tempted in sin. And Achan said, when I saw it, he said, the next step, not only did I see it, but I desired it. Because that word coveted means desire. That's the same word used in Genesis when, 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 Adam, when Eve said she saw it and then she wanted it. She went after it. She desired it. She saw it was good for food. She desired it. That's how sin works. We see it and then we desire it. And he desired it. He said, I desired this sin. I desired it. I wanted it. And I coveted it. This is the same word that is used in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, when God said, do not covet nothing belong to your neighbor or to your friends or to, your, um, your, uh, to anyone. Do not covet their animal. Do not covet their wife. Do not covet their children. And the word covenant, act, um, covet actually means to desire something that belongs to someone else. So that means if you got a neighbor and you looking at his wife and want his wife, that's covetedness. If you desire somebody's shoes or somebody's car and you got a desire for that, then that's covetedness. You want what they have and covetedness in a way where you cannot stop desiring and lusting after. God says that here you need to confess your sin. And he says, look, I have covetedness in my life. I have covered. He said, I have covered, Sister Watts, I have covered rock. I have covered it, Jackie. I've covered it in my life. I, I desire it. I desire this thing. I desire this thing. Says He says, not only did I cover it, but then I stole it. Y'all see the progression? He saw it, then he desired, then he took it. Same thing with you. You see them shoes, women? You know you don't need another pair. You know you ain't got the money for them, but you saw them. Then you desire them, and then you buy them. Now you just add it on to already the stuff that you already got enough of. Same thing with men. We see it, we desire it, and then now it's over. We then took of it. And he says that I, I have sinned, I sinned before God. And he confessed his sin. What sin you need to confess? He gave a detailed account. He said, man, I saw some beautiful garments. I saw some Versace and Louis Vuitton and Gucci and Prada. Man, saw some Hermes stuff. I, I mean, I saw some good stuff in there. Although God told me not to take it. Boy, I saw some good stuff in there. 
And man, it fit me too. I went in the right house and it just, it just was my size. And I, and I took it. And not only that, man, when I went in there, I not only seen these, these awesome garments that they had, but I seen money. I seen bars of silver and gold. Man, ain't nobody going to see me. Nobody know what I'm doing. I'm going to take this and put this all, all in my shirt and in my pants and, and in my sack, and I'm going to walk away like nothing ain't happened. But you don't know under the sin is a trap that God sees everything and that your sin affect everyone. And Joshua says, look, if we're going to deal with sin, we got to confess our sin. Are you confessing your sin before God? God said, come to him and confess your sin, and he will throw your sin in a sea of forgiveness. We got to confess our sin. It's too many of us living in sin, and we say, God, forgive us for, for all the sin we have committed, knowing and unknown. No, God, forgive me for my lying. Forgive me for my butt watching. Forgive me, Lord God, for my stealing. Forgive me, Lord God, for my jealousy. Forgive me for my hate, God. Forgive me. Lord God, for the, for the, for the uh, hate that I have in my heart and the deceitfulness I have, the wickedness that I'm drawn to, forgive me, Lord God, I confess before you. Forgive me for the desire that I had to keep going out and going after her or going after him or going after this drug, Lord God. I am an addict. I need your help, God. God, confess to you my sin. God, I'm disobedient. I'm not living according to your will, Lord God. Call out your sin. Confess your sin. Says we're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with our sin. We need to confront it. We're going to deal with our sin. We need to confess it. And the third thing, and I'm out your way. If we're going to deal with our sin, we need to crush it. He said we need to crush it. Look in verse 24 through 26. So now Achan come. Achan come. They bring Achan. So now what Joshua do, Joshua get all of them together, all the silver. Joshua took everything. He took all the silver. He took all the gold. He took the garments. He took the man horses, donkeys. He took the man cows and um, without all his animals. He took his children, his sons and his daughter. He took his tent. And Joshua stoned them with stones. The whole entire Israel picked up stones and stoned him to death. And then after they stoned him, they set everything on fire. And after they set everything on fire, they then took stones and put it on top of him as a heap, as a, um, um, a pile, a heap of stones on top of him. And that was a memorial. So when people walk past, they know that sin was here and destroyed. Now watch this. If we're gonna, if we're gonna, um, if we're gonna deal with sin, we got, we gotta cut sin off. Look what he says. God says that. God says right here in verse twelve. Look what he says in verse twelve. He says, therefore, the children of Israel uh, can, uh, cannot stand before his enemy, but to turn their back before their enemy, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with them anymore unless they destroy the accursed thing. God says that when it comes to sin, when it comes to practice sin, when it comes to your luxury, um, um, lustful desires, he said that we got to cut it off. Watch this. He did not say stop sin. He did not say stop sin. He did not say stop it. He said cut it off. See, because if you stop it, you're going to start it back up. But if you cut it off, it ain't never coming back. So God didn't say stop it. He says, if you don't cut it off, you don't destroy it, then I won't be with you. But if you destroy it, we're going to be okay. So God says here, if we're going to deal with sin, we're going to deal with our sin, we got to cut it off. This man allowed his lust and his desire for some clothes and a little piece of change to cause him to lose everything. And not only him, Everything he had was affected by what sin Achan did. He disobeyed God, and it caused him to lose everything. And you got to understand your sin causes you to lose everything, and God said, cut it off. He says, cut it off. And I know that this is a stream. This is horrific. 
God, why you, why you had to go this far? I mean, couldn't you just punish him a little bit? You had to kill everything. You had to cut everything off. You had to destroy everything. And look, watch this. God wanted you to know how serious sin is. Sin destroys everything. The scripture says, if you sin, you die. The wages of sin is death. Sin destroys everything. And God says sin is so bad. To get rid of it, you got to cut it off. You can't play around with it. You can't leave it. If you know it's that man or that woman who you can't get rid of, you may need not to block their number, get a whole new number and lose their number. If you got an issue with porn, and you know it's a problem, maybe you need to set up some security on your, on your computer to keep you from not entering to them sites. And if that don't work, you may got to go to the stream and scream and just get rid of computers. But God said, cut it off. God destroyed everything that Achan had because of his sin. And like I said last week, there's three views why everything was destroyed. The first view says everything was destroyed because they were in on it. Said Aiken children was in on it. So the traits of Aiken was passed down, watch this, to his kids, and they hid the stuff with them. So because they hid the stuff with them, God had to destroy everything. Now, I don't hold to that view because what about the, the tent? What about the animals? They didn't hide it. They didn't dig the earth up and put it in there. Maybe his children. So why couldn't God kill Achan and his children and leave everything else? So I don't hold to that view that they was a part of it. That's why the, everything was destroyed. And then the next view is, is that they destroyed everything because generational curse. That, that they were cursed, that, that the generation was cursed because of Achan. And I don't hold to a view of generational curse. The Bible, let me, let me be clear with this because I got this question this week. The Bible does not support generational curse. The Bible does not support generational curse. And when people say that the Bible supports generational curse, here's the scripture they turn to. Let me help you out. Here's the scripture they turn to with generational curse. They turn to, um, let me get it. They turn to Exodus chapter 34, 7. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 34, 7. This is the scripture they say that promotes generational curse, which I don't hold to. I don't hold that the Bible support generational curse. But when people do hold to that, they go to Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. Okay, Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. Exodus chapter 4, verse 37. Well, let's go all the way to 6. It said, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, mercy and graces and longsuffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Here you go. Exodus 34, 7. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and the transgression of sin by the means of clearing guilty, visiting, watch this, the iniquity of the fathers upon their children and the children, children's, to the third and the fourth generation. So what he's saying is that the iniquity of the sin of, at this time with Moses and them, the iniquity was passed on from generation to generation, and now they say that this is generational curse that the, the punishment of the father will pass down from generation to generation. This text contextually is not saying that. What it's saying is that if you commit idolatry as a parent, say your mother and father practice idolatry, and you grow up in a house, and you see them worshiping false gods, what will happen when you grow up, you're going to worship false gods. And then when your kids see you, Worshiping false gods. When they grow up, they gonna worship false gods. And when they kids grow up, they gonna worship false god. And now to to commit idolatry was sin. 
and now the sin is punishment. So now that's what they said. Because you have now instilled in your children to live wrong, now the punishment that you instilled on them now will be punished to them. Y'all get it? I hope I'm making this clear. Am I making this clear? Does it sound clear? So what, what happens is because the sin you practicing, now your children picked up, and because sin, the wages of sin is death, not only are you going to be punished, but your children going to be punished, not because you sin, but because the sin that you have initiated or you have cultivated in your house to cause them to sin. So now they picked up your sin, and now they're going to sin. Let me make it simple. If I was a bank robber, that's if, because I'm not. If I was a bank robber, and as a bank robber, I take my children with me to rob banks. It's a potential, it's a great potential uh, that, that, uh, that potentially my children will grow up as bank robbers. So they're they not going to be punished for, for me robbing a bank. When I get caught, they're not going to jail. I'm going to jail because I robbed a bank. But when they get caught, they're not going to be punished for, for what i done. They're going to be caught for, punished for what they've done. So this is what this text is saying. It's not generational curse. It's saying you passing down these traits and the traits you passing down is sin and the wages of sin is death. So the traits that they absorb, the traits that your kids watch you do now, guess what? It's going to cause them to be punished for their sin. So the Bible don't support generational curse. So when, they, when people believe that, they go to this verse. But let's look at it a little deeper because now let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, number, Deuteronomy. So that's right before Joshua. So let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16. Now we're in the law. Okay, look what it says, verse 16. It says, verse 16, this is a miscellaneous laws. It says in verse 16, Fathers should not be put to death for their children, nor should children be put to death for their fathers. A person should be put to death for his own sin. No such thing as generational curse. Said that the father should not be punished for the sin of their children, and the children should not be punished for the sin of their fathers. The mother should not be punished for the sin of their children, or the children should not be punished for the sin of their fathers because the Bible don't support generational curse. But you need some more text. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. Verse number 20. It says, the soul who sins should die. The son should not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteous of the right, I mean, the righteous, the righteous of the righteous should be upon him, and the wicked of the wicked should be upon himself. So he says, look, there's no generational curse. The child will not be punished for your sin. He says in that text in Ezekiel, look what he says. He says, guess what? You have the right to make your own decision. And the decision you make will punish you for your sin. So if you as a son who sinned, although your father sinned and showed you that, you have a right not to fall into that sin, not to adopt that sin or absorb that sin because you have a right to make your own decision. And if you make your own decision to follow in the way of your mother and father, guess what? You will be punished, but that's not generational curse. So what happened, like I said last week, and I hope I explained this clear because like I said, I had some questions about it and people questioned me and that's good. I love it. I love it. But this text, another view they said was generational curse. That's not true. The Bible don't support generational curse. So then it's another view. So it's three views why all everything was destroyed. One is that if kids helped them. But if that was the case, why would the animals in the tent be destroyed? Two, generational curse. If that was the case, the Bible don't support generational curse. Three, that God wanted to destroy everything because sin needs to be destroyed. And we see this practice all the time. We see this practice all the time. And this is what I hold to. 
The reason why everything be destroyed, because sin affects everything. Sin affects everything. Here it is. Let me give you a picture. If you get diagnosed with cancer, and they say you have a, a tumor that's cancerous, they're going to operate, and they're going to go in and take as much as they can out. And then what they're going to do, they're going to they're gonna put you on radiation and chemo for a long time, for a long period of time, so they can kill every single cell of cancer. Why do they do that? Because cancer, if you leave anything, has the potential to grow again and affect the body. So God says that sin is cancerous. And I need to destroy every single bit of it. And he crushed sin. He cut off sin when he gave his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus went to the cross and was beat all night, he was placed on his head a crown of thorns. He was spit on. He was mocked and beat for you and I to the point where it says his meat looked like hamburger meat, where his mouth, where his tongue clinged to the, the roof of his mouth because his mouth was so thirsty, I mean so dry, and he was broken, his bones was broken, he was stretched and nailed on a cross, and he did all that to crush sin. The sins of you and I was placed on him and they had to be destroyed. And the only one that can destroy the power of sin in our life was a righteous one. And the scripture in Hebrew says that he was the only one that can fulfill the, the, the um, feel the, um, he was the only one that can fulfill the righteousness of God. His blood was the only blood that can be shed to remove our sin. So here it is. God cut it off. The power of sin is dead to us who was in Christ. So why are you still letting sin control you? Why is sin still reigning in your body? Jesus did it all. For you who don't know Christ, guess what? You've been freed. You, you, you've been freed from the power of sin. The, I mean, the power of sin is waiting for you. I mean, um, Jesus Christ died for you to be free from the power of sin. But because you reject Jesus, guess what? You're still living under that power. You, you, you're the child of the devil. But Jesus Christ didn't die for only Pastor Pew. Jesus Christ died for all. He said die for once and for all to everyone. But the thing is, you got to accept him. You got to accept him. You got to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You no longer have to walk in sin. You no longer have to live and practice sin because Jesus died to free you from that and to redeem you and give you everlasting life. So today, I reach out to you. Today, I stretch out to you. If there are any today who don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can be set free. Right now, you can't say what you won't do because you ain't in control. Whatever chip the devil pull on you, you will do. Whatever the devil tell you to do, you're going to do because you're under his authority. But Jesus has set you free that you can live a victorious life under the blood of Jesus Christ. And he did it through his death, burial, and resurrection for you and for me. And he says, whoever come to him and confess their sin, he will forgive you and restore you and redeem you. So today, do you want redemption? Because redemption is only through Jesus Christ. John said it clear. Jesus gave his own personal testimony. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. And today, here's the opportunity. Do you want Jesus? Do you want him? I'm calling out to you. For my saints, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, on our website, on YouTube, I need you praying. Because there's some unbelievers that need to surrender to Jesus Christ. And if you have not surrendered to Jesus Christ, he done it all. He cut sin off. He cut the power of sin completely off so you can have eternal life and you can live a victorious life. But you got to make that decision.
Today is a great day. Is there any today? Is there any today? If you want to make that decision, let us know. We got people looking on Facebook, Instagram. We got people looking on Twitter. We got people looking. And if you're on YouTube or on our website, you can call us or text us, 301-653-6219. Text us, 301-653-6219. We're putting that in the chat right now. Text us and say, I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. You're on YouTube and on our um, Facebook. I mean, if you're on YouTube or, or our website, 301-653-6219. Let us know. I want a relationship. We got people looking at the text message. We got people looking at the chats right now so we can get you connected with God. Is there one? Is there one that want to surrender their life to God? Saints, I need you praying for those who don't know Jesus. This is a great opportunity, a great day to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He has set you free from the power of sin. You no longer have to live under the power of sin. This is a great opportunity. Is there one? Is there one? So what about those who are already saved? You already been free from the power of sin, but you're still living in sin. You still got sin. We, we're not eradicated. We won't be eradicated until we leave this body. So we are tempted by sin, but you have let sin take control of you. You have now fested sin in your life. Sin has now came and reigned and ruled in your members, and you, you have desires that you can't control. And you're saying, God, I, I, I believe in you as my Lord and Savior, but I still got this sin, and we all do. It's repentant time. It's repentant time. Do we have any that want to repent? Say, God, the sin I'm living in is not right. So what we're going to do today, we're going to confess, we're going to confront it. We're going to confront it, confront it. I don't want you to put it in the chat. I don't want you to text it to us, your sin. But just confront it. Call it out right now. God, I have this sin. God, I have lust issues. God, I have, I have a desire for, 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 for drugs. I have a desire for men and women. God, I have a desire to overeat. God, I have a desire of hatred in my heart. God, I'm jealous, God. God, I have an anger issue. Lord God, I, I have issues where I, I just want to destroy things, God. God, I, I have uh, 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 all kind of sin issues, Lord God. I have them in my life, and, and I just want to call them out to you. I want to confront my sin, God. I want to confront my sin. I need your help, God. Come on, let's confront it. This is time where we can come and to confess our sin, where we can repent and call out. And not only is we going to confront it, but we're going to confess it. God, forgive me for my lust. Forgive me for my desires to do wrong. Forgive me, Lord God. We're going to confess it. We're going to confess it. God, forgive me what comes out my mouth. Lord God, every time I speak and get angry, I cuss and I fuss. Forgive me in the way I talk to my wife or I talk to my husband. Lord God, I got an issue with my mouth. Lord God, the things I'm listening to is not glorifying to you, Lord God. I come now and, and, and Lord God, and ask for your forgiveness. I come to confess my sins before you, Lord God. Lord God, I'm living an indifferent life. Lord God, I, I make people believe that I'm with you, but I live a whole different life when people not watching. Lord God, I don't operate in integrity. Lord God, I cheat on my tax. Lord God, I'm confessing my sin. Call it out. Is there any that want to repent before we go before God? Is there any? Is there any? Is there anyone? Anyone? Let us pray and repent. Father God, I thank you for this day. I come to you asking for forgiveness for my sin. Lord God, before this message is preached to the people, you preached it to me. And Lord God, and even as me and my wife was hanging out yesterday at Jackson basketball game. Lord God, I found a way to get in the game for free where I wouldn't have to pay. And Lord God, that's sin because I'm trying to cheat them people. And thank you for giving me a wife that I can say when I go back, I'm going through this door. And she said, remember what you're preaching on. Sin must be dealt with. So I thank you for her to confront me in love to help me change, that I would not commit a simple sin as paying to get in the game. But Lord God, I'm transparent because I know I have issues.
But I thank you for a wife that really understand the word of God and know and to help me to confront my sin and love. But not only that, Lord God, I come and confess it to you. I come and confess it to you that, Lord God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my evil thoughts. And I confess it for you. And I confess my sin right now. And I repent that you turn me back to you. That my thoughts won't go that way just to get out of paying $30 to get into a game. Lord God, forgive me of my sin. I thank you so much. And Lord God, I'm not going to stop it. I'm going to cut it off. Lord God, I'm going to cut it off. That Lord God, remind me that every time I'm, 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 I'm tempted by going into a game free or buying a, a, a band for cheaper price, Lord God, that you told me, cut it off, get rid of it. Because that sin can destroy us. So I bless you, Lord God, and I turn back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.